The Football Pod on OTB Sports. Do you still listen to The Football Pod or is that like texting your ex? Absolutely. As I often said, I'm jealous that say, uh, I don't know who's so good, the little whore. Yeah. <laughs> the Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. You're very welcome back. We are here in the dugout bar in Mahara. Oh, thanks to Guinness 0.0, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol, more social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. So we mentioned those two pairs of tickets, by the way. What we're going to do, so we're not here all night, because I suddenly thought, well, what if everyone wants to ask a question <laughs> to be in with a chance to win the tickets? We could be here a long time. So there is the uh, raffle bowl and as well as some Guinness prizes, which we're giving away, we'll also draw out, we'll do it last, we'll take out two tickets to give you the two pairs of tickets for Crow Park on Saturday. So that is how we'll do that. We have back with us Tony Scullion and Enda Gormley. And then, can you all commiserate, for God's sake, per Donegal, a warm welcome, please. He's been waiting patiently here all evening. Brendan Devenny is with us, everyone. Now, Brendan, mark it down, 22nd of June, and applause from a dairy crowd. Dairy yeah, crowd. yeah, I was, was happy enough at the bar with the, with the crew here. You know, we're neighbours, we're, we're good neighbours as well, so I was happy enough. We're going to obviously talk mainly Up about the weekend. The final, of course. What happened to Donegal this year? Uh, I, I think there's something bigger happening in football than, than Donegal, you know. Um, I think tactics has is, is, is killed the game all over. We'll allow Derry their blanket defence and Rory Geller stole their playbook. Come on to Derry and won an Ulster. <laughs> I'll leave you away with that one. Unfortunately, the only thing that Ulster final brought was memories back to 98, which is bad memories for me uh, playing there. But um, I think Ulster football at the minute, you know, the balls has come back from, from Derry, from Armagh, from Cavan as well, I think, in the Charlton Cup final. The two teams that now are, are flying the flag for Ulster are... I suppose I've got a bit of energy and buzz in the crowd back. There are two sleeping giants, particularly for me, that, that are in the senior. I think you're seeing a... I, I think just the passage of play, the way Donegal are playing, the way Monaghan are playing, Tyrone, sure, you can say after the league or after the All-Ireland victory, there's something strange happening in football. And I think it's right across the board, you know. You've seen the, the poor crowds there at the, at the recent doubleheader uh, that Mayo and Clare came out on top of. So... I think there's a bigger picture happening in football, and Donegal's a bit affected by that, you know. Um, I think the turnover of players this last number of seasons haven't been good enough. And I think where Donegal can do well in Ulster and compete in Ulster, it's no good when they come out of it. They haven't beaten a big team outside of Ulster in years, you know. They've beaten Tyrone, they've beaten Monaghan. They can't cope when they go out of it. I think the Ulster style of football is not suiting the, the bigger stage. And I suppose the last couple of seasons with, with COVID and that, it's hard to delve too much into it, but I think there has to be a, a change. We've seen, we've seen some teams come out of it and scoring going up, scoring averages going up and the entertainment going up, but Ulster seems to get dragged back into this football. So that said, as I say, the, the, the way Armagh have played the last couple of games, I mean, Armagh's story's been, been unreal in terms of where were they after that Donegal defeat and after two big matches, they're now looking at a, a possible, you know, semi-final final. And for Derry, of course, you know, no one could believe uh, where they went down yeah. to Division 4. And, I mean, I looked up these boys for years. I mean, and, uh, when I was a kid, you know, growing up, I didn't really play underage. I was a bit of a misfit. Like, I, I used to love watching this man. And uh, uh, Tony's on about people praying for him. Who was playing for the forwards that he was marking? <laughs> I would like to know. There need to be a few rules he said there. So, you know, gr- growing up, I remember that even that 98 final, uh, John Joe Doherty was our captain. And they, these guys had some battles with them. And I still remember McClonus, um, 
saying, you know, if you, you, have to, if you want to beat Derry, you have to fucking hit them. You have to hit them. I was telling you, go, I don't hit Derry. I have no problem with Derry at all. What, what's he talking about? You know, I did hit Joe Brawley by the end of the game, and that's, that, that's, that's a different thing. But, you know, I, I think that rivalry's built up. And even hearing Tony saying about Wilkins and Armagh and, and Tyrone, if Derry went all Ireland this year, I don't think that bus will be stopping on the way back. It'll be here at Mahara, I think, on time, you know. So football's changed a lot, I think, uh, uh, Joe. And, and certainly what's happened, Donegal, is we've got stuck in this playing with fear and I suppose our worst point of this season was being two points up against Derry with 10 minutes, 12 minutes to go and, and not having a go and he, actually Tony actually touched on it there you know when you were talking about the space and going for the game and, and, and having a go and I think we've lost that some of the teams a lot of the teams have lost that they play everything to a percentage and I think Donegal's been dragged down on their level now where they just won a one by a couple of points and they're playing with fear. And I, I think there has to be a, a big change, just not in Donegal, I think in a lot of teams. Wow, that is a hell of an answer. Thanks. Loads in that. It sounds like you're not enjoying the football as well as a spectator. Not that that's a coach's concern or player's concern, but it sounds like you're sitting there sort of with your arms folded thinking, this is not really my bag, it's not getting me off my seat. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, again, I love this Ulster final at Pints. We played to people in the... Uh, uh, down in Clonus after, you know, and I appreciate what that meant to Derry. Yeah. But let's be honest, the game was an absolute disaster for a football match. I mean, for nobody to score in the first 10 minutes, I mean, that's a disgrace as a football match. Now, I'll park that for Derry the same way I would have parked it for Donegal in 11 and been booed, uh, uh, you know, winning all and booed against Dublin. And Donegal's game relies on the other team not doing it. But as we've moved into this zone, the other team are going to do it. And, and I think for Donegal, nobody wanted to play Donegal then. Derry's probably got elements of that now, but let's be honest, if they play each other, nobody wants to watch the thing. And I think that's what we have to be careful of. And why I'm a bit afraid of it, Joe, is that if you look at the, the Donegal crowd was there, I mean, it was probably three, four to one with Derry in the Ulster final, which is very unusual for Donegal. And then the game against Armagh a few weeks later, there was a paltry crowd there. I would say maybe if there was a couple of thousand, three thousand Donegal fans there. So I think over the years we've, we've kept, people have kept, kept coming back because there'll be an odd game or even in a, in a, a counter-attacking game, there's a tension in it, you know, which brings us back and the game will be come down to the last score and it's enough. But I think for a lot of Donegal fans now, that's, that's gone too far and they're really like falling out of love with the game. And I think that's a, a bigger fear for me. Okay. Where are you in that? Oh, I res what res respect Bretton is saying, but I don't agree with him. You <laughs> uh, know, and I respect every word that man says, but all I'm saying is, for too long, for too long, Ulster teams, we were laughed at. We were laughed at when we went down south. We were completely laughed at. And to, to say, you know, I can say, to say that no other team or no other county down south plays 15 players behind the ball, double is doing it all the time. Kerry's doing it. You know, the day of playing a flat 15 is completely gone. And again, I would disagree with Breton. Football's lovely to watch. I was enthralled in the final. Yes, there was no score for 10 minutes, but just to watch how both teams were set up and how the structure was done, it was absolutely brilliant. But, and, and, and I'd say, you know, you know, this is senior. This is senior. This is not on the age we're talking about. This is senior uh, inter-county football, mm. whatever it is. And it's, it's about one, and 
it was 24 years since we won an Ulster Championship, the Anglo-South Cup, and we won it, and we won it in style, because we beat Tyrone, we beat Monaghan, and we beat Donegal, three Division One teams, so, and we beat them in style, each and every one of them, and deserved to win each game. So, uh, as I say, I respect the Breton saying, but to me, football in Ulster is healthy. Hmm. Now for you. Enda, where do you stand? Or sit? How would you argue with the two? I'm in the middle somewhere. Uh, I, do, I agree with Tony, we're never going back to 15v15. Uh, I agree with Brent, it's not a great spec. I, I agree with Tony, it was enthralling to be there. And I've been, if you're at a game, it's completely different from watching TV. If you're a TV, watching on TV is neutral. I would say the majority of people wouldn't enjoy it. But to be there and see the matchups and they, how they try to create space and how other people are recovering and the more you get used to it and seeing that the finer details, it wasn't thrown. However, I, th I wouldn't have as much fear as Brenton. I think the game is going away from that a bit. Dave went back into it a bit and probably Donegal maybe were trying to get out of it. But I'm not sure if Donegal's capable of getting out of it because my knowledge of Donegal club football, it's, that's all that happens. So and if you're doing that week on week and seeing it week on week, you know, monkey does, monkey sees, like, and uh, it's Donegal have a bigger picture to get out of it. Thank God it's not too negative in day. Uh, I think a big reason I put down to this is because most of our championship matches are played known big, which is the maximum size a Gaelic pitch can be. And for club players to play that level, most majority of club players aren't fit enough to race back and counter-attack. And so nobody has been really um, successful doing it. Um, so, even up to this year's Ulster Championship day, weren't as negative. They weren't as defensive. They they would have met teams more in the halfway, around the, the four and fifty, and went man to man with a plus one inside. Uh, obviously, decided in the championship to go that bit deeper. Uh, I'm wondering, actually, you now they had Crow Park, and there is the serious question: Can you be successful in Crow Park being as defensive? And I'm wondering, is there a possibility they might step out a bit further? I'm not saying go 15 v 15, but is there a possibility they might start picking teams up around the halfway line? Um, and having them cutting down the space for the counter-attack, they keep our players forward. So I'm in the middle. I don't particularly like the, the entertainment of the two teams that set up the same way. However, I think overall Gillick is developing and teams are learning to break it down and they're learning to keep a defensive structure, but in a much more attacking way. And then the other thing is, I think skills level are through the roof now, which makes it more entertaining. You know, we can we can all reminisce about the olden days, but you go back and watch some of the matches, the skills level are way off the Richter scale now compared to our day, or even much more recently. Tony, with a view to Saturday, 3.45, Derry against Clare. Clare have just come through a game. They've been road tested recently enough, whereas... Uh, Derry have been away, I suppose, enjoying the win and then prepping for this game. I saw a quote from Rory Gallagher today. And he said, we want to be favourites for the game on Saturday. If we play well, we'll win. Which I thought was <laughs> quite confident uh, talk. It's funny, you were talking about being favourites against Cork back in 93. Derry here going in as big favourites against Clare. What's your sense of this game? See, this is the first time we have been favourites this year in the, in the championship. Because in the three Ulster championship games, we were the underdog in the three games. And we are, we are hot favourites. And you know, that's Rory's right. Rory's right not to play it down. He, he, he is, he is a changing room, he's a panel of players buzzing. He has a meeting out of his hand. Uh, you know, no point going down till Crow Park 
in a negative frame of mind, saying, "Oh God, we're we're in danger here. We're you know if we don't if we don't step up the plate, forget about ifs and buts. They have stepped up the plate three times this year uh, in three very competitive championship matches. Yes, Clare is not a county to be sniffed at." No, you know, they have been, <laughs> you look back on the thickets from 2016, they have been a consistent Division 2 team. Mm. As Bretton says, we've been as far down as Division 4, but we are definitely claiming. But, you know, <laughs> I really do feel, uh, I really do feel it'll not be the right ending to the year. And the Anglo Celt will not mean as much if we don't come up the road preparing for an Ireland, an Ireland semi-final. I think, I think maybe Rory Geller saying it, we have to be clear. Derry has to be clear. Derry are hot, region hot favourites. They have to be clear on Saturday. If they don't, it leaves a bitter taste to the season. It will yeah. definitely leave a better taste to the season. You know, I talked earlier about 1987 when Derry won a for, and lost the title for and a long absence and Myself and that man over there was part of it, and and we we celebrated it, and Derry celebrated this year's Ulster Championship for a couple mm. of days, and rightly so, mm. and, and and we celebrated, it. but we went down to Crow Park, it was like throwing buns to a bear. <laughs> uh, we were playing that great Meath team, right, and that was a that was a great great Meath team. Yeah, but quite honestly, uh, to me it was bittersweet when we could beat that day. To me. The season had ended, and that Angus Celt medal didn't mean as much to me. Sure. As the neutral, how do you see Derry Clare? Yeah, interesting. Anyway, I, I guess you would that side of the draw now you're thrown. But what I'm saying is, Tony, I'm, I'm obviously fucking proud of whatever Ulster teams do. If you look at Donegal, just you going back that. Yeah, I do. We, yeah. we haven't been. We haven't been a se- big since 2014, the famous game where we turned the tails in Dublin. We haven't been a team outside of Ulster. And I'm just talking about Donegal. I'm just looking at success of Ulster teams that have gone down since then. I just said Tyrone last year, and I think last year was a, was a very different year in terms of championship. I just think sometimes how, how we're playing doesn't maybe make the game the best spectacle. I think it holds back the skills of our players. And I think if anything, the Armagh-Donegal game, when it opened up for that while, it suited Donegal. But then when Armagh put the clampers on us, you know, it, it was physically, they, they outmatched us. But there's something uh, to be admired about Clare. I mean, they're six years in Division 1. They're, they're quite a settled team. You wonder sometimes where they, Clare get their footballers from, you know, with, with such a hurling uh, centre county. You know, you think of the immigration in West Clare and, and how, you know, a couple of their top players have, have, have retired in the last few years. You know, Brennan, Lynch, Fels, I guess. And, and yet they keep, they keep coming back and they, they're, they're, they're plucky as hell. And listen, at one stage in that Roscommon game, there, I was counting, they were outscored 11 points to two. And Roscommon had the game won. They have it a game in Crow Park. Um, and there's something about them. It's almost a free shot of any of the teams in there. I, th- I think in particular, you think, Claire, are they, have they got something there that they might be able to put something towards uh, Derry? But... I, there's something about Derry. We all, we all know the history and the, the sleeping giant that they were, and I think this is this is set up for 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 a massive a semi-final clash for, with uh, with hopefully Derry and Armagh. I just think that Clare the last day that won three, you know, the two months they go and they had won three. Um, the only thing I would say about Clare is, and, and looking back to Donegal in that game, even when that game was in the melting pot, they went for it. 
You know, that's the kind of thing I'm not seeing enough of mm. from the Ulster teams. Everything's keep, keep, keep. And as Tony said, listen, Derry deserved to win all the games. They should have beat Donegal in normal time. They must two absolute sitters that should have won the match anyway. Donegal were clinging on to Derry, for me, and, and most of that match. But Clare still went for Ross Common. Uh, it didn't settle for the draw. They went for them. Uh, your man Sexton up front, he had two six uh, out of nine shots. I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. He was missing in the game uh, against Limerick that he lost in penalties. And most clear people would say that they're second to Kerry and Munster now this last number of years. And that they, they could have made a breakthrough, obviously, the year that Tip came through. They, Tip beat them in the championship that year, and Clare had them beat at a stage in that game. So there's something plucky about Clare, but I think if, if, if they play their best, I think they'll, they'll have too much. Mm. And of uh, that side of the draw, because for Galway, Armagh, for Derry, for Clare, there's suddenly a real route to an All-Ireland final, which has suddenly uh, blossomed in front of them. Who's the most likely to make an All-Ireland final for you? Whoever won is the semi-final. <laughs> <laughs> and who uh, might that be? All right. Um, <laughs> well, I think on paper, the favourites at the minute, if you were asking, to be the winners of Sunday semi-final between Armagh and Galway. Um, I think they are favourites to beat Clare. However, when the draw was made, I would say Clare were happy with the draw. Uh, they were the, the beat, or the provincial champions that everybody wanted. So Clare will come up with a point to prove. Um, I think we're rightly favourites, but we've all known favourites been beat in the past. But uh, I think if we turn up, we should get over the line. The last quarter-final, Armagh have a lot of momentum behind them, uh, but Galway coming into this very quiet. There's not all the talks about Armagh. Galway have won a good provincial championship. Any team that beats Mayo and Roscommon and a provincial championship can't be sneered at. Obviously, their weak point, they have an incredible forward line. Um, their weak point on paper is their defence. They've worked hard. They're, they've had two different defensive structures in the two, the two main games they've had. They've two sweepers sitting against Mayo and more one sitting against Roscommon. They're obviously something there. They know they have to improve. And I get a sneaking feeling if, if, if Galway can can get that defence tight, to, to me, they've as good a forward line on paper. And uh, without backing up our own or bigging up there, I would say is if you're putting a gun to my head now, it'd probably sneak by Galway. Mm. It's interesting. Maura Teresa early on was asking about Eamon Coleman and how much time managers get. In Colin Collins and in McGinney, the took the jobs in the same years. You have, by a distance, two of the longest-serving managers. And there'd be a temptation to say, well, if you leave a manager in a long time, things get stale. And actually, they're proving the opposite, that especially in GEA, where the season is so short, you don't get that much time with the players. It takes time to change things. It's not like a 38-game season in the Premier League where you have the players every day. It's hard to implement change. Uh, Collins has done a great job all the way through. McGinney's an interesting case, isn't he? Like, something has happened with McGinney and Armagh and the football that they're playing in the last couple of years. I don't know, do you guys have any insights into McGinney? Jump in if any of you do. Well, I would say, I would say Kieran McGinney has done a tremendous job with Armagh. You only have to look along. he's there for, as you say, Joe. He's there eight years. Yeah. And not every county is going to win the Ulster Championship or Sam, Sam Maguire. I would read a manager from distance by how long he's there. The players will make, players will, I know you can talk about the county boards and all, players make, make the, a lot of calls um, alongside the county board yeah. about managing teams. And there has never been a woof about 
Kieran McGinley being, you know, you hear from maybe the outside from some supporters and all, but the players back McGinley to the hut. Mm. There's been very few dropouts in that Armagh squad, and that would tell me that's a close knit family unit. And he is a vent. No, they've come from a low base, that Armagh team, boys. Yeah. They've come from a low base, and he is this last. During the National League there, they were playing absolutely tremendous football. Yes, Donegal got them, but they're, they're, they're back in again. And they are playing that brand of football maybe that a lot of supporters like watching. The, the diagonal ball that they had won the Ireland with in 2002, that would have been fed their inside men mm. brilliantly. And they, they do play a lot of that ball and in, in, in Rain O'Neill. They have an, an ace marksman in yeah. there. No, as well as other top forwards, but I, I think that he's doing a good job. Yeah, that's, I, I totally agree. And McGinney's story, it, it, it's a bit amazing, you know, even up to uh, this season, what, three, three also championship victories in eight years. No other manager would have been given the time, Joe, no. which was the stature of him and Armagh. He's like the captain, the greatest captain I've ever had, lifted the Sam. So I think what happened, if you even look at two seasons ago when Donegal destroyed them um, up in Cavan that day, you were like, where are my going? You that know? seemed like the end. Any other manager You're there right, gone. exactly, because yeah. you were like, right, time's up here. And so they go into the league, they survive a, a playoff against Roscommon. Remember, nobody thought that much about it, but that was absolutely massive because it put them back into the league, that opening game against Dublin, the game at home against Tyrone, which is seen, the colour in Armagh was a sellout, it was fantastic. So they came into this championship, and this was their time to make a mark. Then they don't turn up against Donegal. They let Donegal have the kick out. Donegal pressure their kick out, won everything, Rafferty kicks. I'm sitting looking, what's going on with this team? So then they're going into that Tyrone match. We weren't expecting too much. You know, a lot of people, Tyrone were odds on favourites, they won it. They pull out a brilliant performance, they destroy us. And now they've just completely changed, and you've seen the best of our man, obviously, Kieran Donnelly's involvement as well is in there. Their use of Rafferty, but their buzz and their energy all over the pitch. I mean, they're a phenomenal side. I, I think they're, they're a real spark, and I think when they get to Crow Park now, I think if they do that press on Galway, that could be... I mean, Gleeson obviously has struggled on the press with Rafferty. I think he should just kick it long, because our man have power all over the pitch. They have players to mark, like Falker and Comer, I know the wee old Lee fella missed the last day. I think him and the likes of Jared Burns would be a good matchup. And then if you look at uh, the, the Galway forward line around the pitch, they've obviously got better players than, than Donegal have in the forward line. So I think of all the games, I think that's the game I most want to look at. Mm. Who's going to win it though? Uh, my mum's Galway woman, so I have to tell for her. Plus, I don't really like Armagh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Groups. <laughs> I'm Armagh's been hard luck. They've been missing... They've been missing key players the whole year with injuries too, you know, and they've survived. They had they, a, a few key players out and still have, and they've survived. So that tells a good story. Yes, this match on Sunday is going to be a cracker. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Do you know, it's, so it's really interesting. You have uh, Cork, who no one's expecting much from against Dublin, and then you have Kerry and Mayo. So in Dublin and Kerry still, we have two teams that haven't been properly road tested. And uh, I was talking to somebody... Uh, vaguely au fait with the Kerry uh, camp. And do you remember against Tyrone last year, a uh, bunch of Kerry players went down with cramp. This has given like a sense of almost neuroticism in that Kerry camp. What the hell happened? We went through, lovely, and then against Tyrone, we went down with cramp. Like their S&C staff are thinking, what's going on here? And there's a sense of like almost foreboding. And they're against this Mayo team who've been in terrible form. And then we're, we should have been beaten by Kildare. 
the one really interesting thing about that game is, if there's any team in the country who, despite everything <laughs> looking terrible, can just raise into something kind of tornado-like and bring Kerry into a war and to see where they are a year on, it is Mayo. That's the kind of one hope you have for this game, because everything about Mayo points to Kerry waltzing through otherwise. 100%. All logic on recent form would say it's not worth turning up. However, as you say, we first, the first thing I'll say is Mayo would missing four players from the, the league final. Like you've Durkin and Keegan and McLaughlin across your, your defence. Uh, not Mc, Keegan, sorry. Mullen, Oshin Mullen yeah. and Dermot O'Connell are up front. Them four serious players would make a mass. Like that's over 25% of your team. Make a massive difference, didn't he? Plus there's question marks about Clifford coming into this game about an injury. Even if he, he's fit, how fit is he? How match fit is he? Uh, you'd want a half fit Clifford any day, but if he's not himself. And then Mayo, they seem to be, they just seem to be like a rat. They remember me from, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you yeah, back yeah. him in a corner. And I don't mean, I mean this in the best sense. Yeah. They have to be backed into the corner to come out fighting. It was, uh, it's myself, whenever I had any work to do at school, I never did it to the very last minute until the pressure was on, no matter what you had. So they need that pressure on, they need that torch shining their face saying this is the exit door. And they seem to really lift the gear. But, and, and I think that's the only logic gives me that they'll put up a game, but I just do not see, I don't agree that they don't have good enough forwards. I think they don't have a good enough forward unit. And I've never, I, I look at their shot selection, and I just, even some of the, the people talk about some of the great scores they get, Dublin wouldn't be taking those shots. Dublin would be taking 70% less shots, but getting 30% more scores. Um, Mayo, like the amount of outside the kick ball shots they've had from 45 out in the wing, great when they go over. But the bottom line, it's about how number, the number of times you raise that white and green flag, it's not about how pretty they look. And to me, they haven't a good enough forward unit to get the scores to beat Kerry. And however, I'm not dropping shock if they really, really make a great game of it. And the Mayo, that. Albeit you'd hear rumours that the, the fans have sort of turned against, not turned against, but the, they've lost a wee bit of will of supporting the team. But if, if the Mayo fans come out and force the way they do and get that Crow Park atmosphere going and Kay's backs the wall, as you say, they haven't been road tested, that makes it interesting. It'll be, but very, very hard to see them doing enough to get over the line. Yeah. I love yeah, the way I, you're all just, yeah, just sitting there I, going, I, I can't see it, but <laughs> it's Mayo. <laughs> I, I would say the only scenario would suit Mayo would maybe be six or seven points behind, about 15 minutes in the second half, and they get a couple of points in a row, and as, as my man saying here, the, the, the crowd gets behind them. And, but that, the Kerry team of the last few years ago, potentially, I just see this Kerry team now as being a wee bit relentless. I think they'll just hammer on. I think it'll be like the league... Uh, the league final, and, and certainly, be, obviously, Conroy and O'Donoghue have given a wee bit of injection on that forward line. I, I'm not sure O'Donoghue will be even back. Conroy's obviously out for the season, and I think that's a bit of spark. If you look at their goal that changed the game against uh, Kildare, came from O'Hara and, and Mullen, obviously, which tells you a lot about Mayo when they're relying on their defence. I just think that they haven't got the, the punching ability, and I, I would really fear for them in this game. Ender mentioned David Clifford. Where, and I appreciate Tony, he's early on in his career, but it does feel like we're looking at something pretty damn special here. Where is Clifford on what, you know, basically what you've seen over the years in terms of a footballer? See, he's still a young player, but at this minute, uh, you know, if he is a, a career 
and get no serious injury, he's going to be the best of the best. There'll be nothing like him on the planet. Uh, he's just incredible. Yeah. So, um, what what me you know what just talking me with him? How can you? How can you criticise Mayo? You know, when there's people, well, they can be critical, but God, that team, that, the team, that, what they've done and the entertainment they've given us this last 10 years, you know, they deserve an All-Ireland. And you know this, you wouldn't write them off uh, on Sunday either. The only thing that I think Paddy Talley, going down to Kerry, will close the back door. Mm. And that was Kerry's problem this last few years. They had the front door, they were fit open the front door, but they were never shut, able to shut the back door. They'll shut the back door when Tally is uncoaching them. Mm. That's the big difference from Tyrone last That's year. That's the big difference. But as I say then, Clifford up front, yes, I'm the same, he's, he's heard he's carrying a wee injury or whatever. Uh, if he is then, hey, he'll be an awful, awful loss to that carry team. Yes, they've all the sparkling forwards, but Clifford, he's the icing on the cake. How would you how would you mark Clifford? <laughs> don't don't I give answer, me nightmares. I can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> don't give me nightmares, Joe. Ah, uh, God save us, you know. But genuinely, I'm thinking of Pora Gohora in the league final, left to him one on one, and it was the worst day of his life. I, I know think. that. I know. I know. You know. Uh, God help anybody left in the one to one. But the only the only way, the only chance you have, the only chance you have, you can't play negative on him. You can't, you can't play behind him because if he gets the ball, he can turn anyway, upside down or whatever. <laughs> no, you're bit when he gets the ball. Uh, you know, you have to fill that space, and it's not easy because he can make the diagonal runs too. Uh, so you need your fellow defenders um, giving you a bit of support too. But you can't not, you cannot leave that space in front of him. And if you're left of that space in front of him, you've got to. And be careful of my words here. You've got to be brave. Mm. You've got to be brave and you've got to attack the space and read the situation and read when that ball's going down on that, his teammate's foot, or whenever he's ready to kick it. If you make that first step or even half a step, mm. no matter how slow you are and no matter how fast he is, as a crew flies, you'll get the ball first. Brendan. And even you only have, sorry, Joe. Go on. And sometimes, <laughs> and so, sorry, Joe. And, and sometimes you only have a hand to get. A head to get, anything to the ball, a knee to get, anything to knock that ball away from him. And second phase possession for a forward line, usually you'll get defensive cover and the, the attack will have snuffed out. So if he does, as long as you get something to that ball and stop him from getting it. I feel like if James Horn brought you in now, you might get them going a bit. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic here as well. Uh, Brendan, the same question to you. You're a forward, like so. Give us, you know, for you, who's the creme de la creme? And I know we can only answer this when Clifford's fully done and we see where his career goes, but everything's pointing towards him being in the conversation. Where are you on Clifford? Yeah, that's, that's the same. There's no denying it. Um, you know, obviously, these players tend to get born in certain places and Kerry's one of them. Um, the, the, the thing about him is he makes the things that's a wee bit awkward for most forwards easy. And when you see him doing that, you know that when he gets one from about 35 yards, which you might concentrate on from an angle. You can see that he does it. It's kind of like you doing it from 20 or a tap over free. He makes tap overs out the pitch, you know what I mean? So, and I think because of his physical size, there's no real way of marking him. It's only a matter of kind of, there's loads of games there where you get tied down by bucks like this side, biting at your ankles that, you know, it's not going against you. But if it was him, it's kind of like, 
well, how much is he going to score? There's very few forwards like that. You just think it doesn't matter. And I think the modern forward now, because a lot of the players maybe aren't snapping in their faces, you only see it a bit now. They, they can come out around the pitch and they're a let go and they're a let get into the game. I think now, if you look at it, and I remember a few times um, uh, looking at uh, Rock for Dublin, I remember him actually kicking a free. He's run out and he's doing all this, you know, puts a ball, mark, 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 and he kicks it wide. It's exactly the same thing. You know, it doesn't matter. And I think guys at Clifford now, they just seem on such a level where they're going to do what they're going to do, which is a bit frightening. You know, I remember missing a free back in the day, being cloning some man being your ear, you're freaking useless. You're going to miss the next one. That's two you've missed now. You know, you don't seem to see that happening as much now. The guys, are, it's as if they're, the, the forwards now have moved to another level. The defenders haven't caught up in terms of the arm race for me. You have very few man-to-man markers. I mean, we're in Derry here. I have to mention Sean Marty Lockhart, you know. Uh, when you're talking about Anthony Toole there, like Anthony would have captained me at, at Ireland years ago and uh, what, what a guy he was. But Sean Marty was there too. And um, Nunes boys, I used to call them, you know, you, Nunes is a, a very special word to hear. No one else uses Nunes except for Derry. That's County Derry. That's yous, where we, ye, where you come from. So uh, I used to call them Nunes boys would, would land down, the two lads. But I was so glad to play with Ireland because Sean Marty was on my team, not thinking Mark of me, because you're all about the best uh, forwards ever. For me, he's one of the best defenders ever. Mm. It's, um, I, just listening to all this, just waxing lyrical about David Clifford and stuff, and it just kind of seems a bit, I think, it's funny, if they had gone plea, you just think Kerry have to win this All-Ireland, and if they don't, it's a failure. Really, if, even if Derry wins it or Armagh or Galway or Dublin, with everything that's been said about Kerry from day one this season, with everything they've shown, in their eyes for sure, if they don't get over the hurdle this weekend and certainly the semi-final and the final, it'll be seen as a failure for Jack O'Connor. Oh, absolutely. Well, we all know Kerry people are very shy and backward and lack confidence in themselves. Mm. Publicly, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, no, the, the only thing that matters down there is one all Ireland. There's no hard luck stories. Dave had a good year, and uh, no matter what happens, that's how we go on there, how good a year it is, but we've had a good year. It will not be a good year in Kerry unless Sam goes down home. And to be fair, with the players I have, I, I can sort of understand that. I know Paddy's famous line about the, the, the animal, calling them the animals, but and they can be harsh critics, and possibly that's what drives them on to such high levels, because nothing else but ultimate success is acceptable. But... I think with this group of players, particularly the forwards, I'm still not sure about the Paddy Talley thing. Um, Paddy, Paddy Talley's good defensive. His record has been very good defensively when he sets up an ultra-defensive team. You know, I look at St Mary's, but I saw him with Derry, and it, it certainly didn't go well. I saw him with Down, and it certainly didn't go well the last few years, and I'm just not 100% sure that it's going to make that big a difference. It, it, it all comes down to the quality of the player and as he would call the player he's working with, and I take it that when I mentioned the two previous teams, um, and their buy-in. So I'm just not 100% sure they have about their defence, albeit I think it's improved. I think Jack O'Connor obviously brings a lot to the table in his own right, and he's an ultimate winner. He'll do whatever it takes. He's, that, he's very pragmatic. Um, and a couple of months ago, before the dubs started to come back, I thought that definitely was case to lose, and I couldn't see... Uh, and our result. Now I'm not so sure. Now I think that we'll see the dubs. I'm certainly looking forward to that game. I'm taking it that it happens now in two weeks' time. 
Yeah, the build-up to that would be just nuts. If you do a potted history of Dublin, uh, win that COVID All-Ireland against Mayo, uh, 21 Mayo catch them, even though at half-time everybody thought the game was over. And 22, they have the worst league campaign Dublin have had in I don't know how long. And now they've looked a bit better, but against limited opposition. They beat Kildare at the door in the Leinster final. So where are Dublin, Tony? It's very hard to know because the opposition has been poor, as you say. Um, I'm not convinced. A lot of people think they, they have recovered. They are the team to beat. But I am not convinced. I think Cluxon is an awful loss to them. I think your goalkeeper in modern Gaelic football is near enough. No, I'm not going to say near enough. It is the most important position in the field. And I think Cluxon won them so many All-Irelands. His restarts were nearly 100%. Mm. Uh, so I think he's a massive miss to Dublin. Yes, they are playing well, but you have to take in the opposition. Um, I'm not totally convinced you about them. Are they the team that's going to win Sam Maguire in 2022? So would you take Kerry over them? I would take Kerry over them. Yes, I would. Where are you, Brendan? Yeah, I, they've surprised me, I suppose, this year. I know you might say Leinster, but the 517 against Kildare was frightening. I mean, if there was ever a statement made, I mean, Kildare mixed it. Not Bobby, a lot of teams you've seen, they had almost Mayo beat the last day. That's why you'd fear for a lot of other sides out of it. And I guess that thing of going to Crow Park, it's a fast playing pitch, it's a forwards pitch, it's a space pitch, it's about pace. And you, you, when you go there, then everything changes. And that's where the big games is played. And I think that's where Dublin, being their bloody home pitch, excelled. You know, and, and, and you think about a lot of other teams' home pitches. Um, and, and how they became fortresses, and they just learned how to, how to do that so well. So I think, if you look, particularly the Huff and Fenton midfield flying, I mean, McCarthy's experience around the back, and then uh, Costello's flying, Con O'Killan, these guys, they just look now, like, I mean, Desi Farless kept his counsel, he's shifted some abuse there. I mean, everybody can go out of Division 1, we all have a bit, they're even down Division 4. It happened. You're back up now. You'll be in Division 1 again shortly. But this can happen. Dublin can't, though. Kerry can't. They go out. It's, it's drama. And we, we've seen the drama that, that followed that. And if you look at Desi Farr's record underage and going into Dublin and, and winning seniors, it was like it didn't matter. Nothing, nothing mattered. And I suppose that success then seemed to be, be weighing on so heavily. It's as if they had to take some real hard slap, which was relegation, to maybe pull that squad back around. So... I think, hey, listen, the, the, for me, the team beats Dublin, we'll know there. All right. Okay. You're buying Dublin. Enda? Yeah. I, um, the one thing, I actually think Dublin are a better team now than they were two years ago because of the speed they're moving the ball. I think they got over, they got a soft all Ireland in 2000. There's such a thing, and I, I take that, there's no, every all Ireland's an all Ireland. But with the, with the COVID, no back door, like um, Mayo surprised themselves to get an All-Ireland final in the first year of the rebuild. Uh, Cavan were surprised back at the semi-final that come out of Ulster or come out of Leinster that year. But what I liked about them this year is they're back. Kildare's not a bad team and me, they aren't that bad a team either. I know they're not the me team of old, but they just destroyed them. They swiped them away. Much easier than Kay did with Cork and it's not comparing things, but the speed to move the ball, they've got an injection and a directness again. Yes, again, like Kerry, there's questions about their defence, serious questions about their full-back line. I don't think uh, the keeper is that big a drop on standard. The Cluxon, 
everybody says clocks are near 100%. I can remember an All-Ireland final, and it was at 16-17 that Mayo, he lost four keg rates in a row, Mayo got three, four points, where Jason Sherlock had to run around the back of the goals and tell him to start popping out the short ones again to, to stretch him in. So he's had his dodgy moments as well. So, you know, there can be too much pressure putting this keeper because he, he's certainly not bad and he, he can find his restarts. Yes, question mark, the full-back lane, Brenton said here, but McCarthy makes a massive difference coming into that full-back lane. Um, David Byrne coming back, I think he needs to be back fully fit and fully going. They have a serious midfield, an incredible forward line. I think they have a better restart than Kerry. I think they have a better midfield than Kerry. If it's good attack, you're weighing up two very, very high standards. And I think it's just their, their half-back line, just for me, pushes them slightly ahead of Kerry. So you think they're going to win the other end as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think at this stage they were... Now, listen, I'll not drop a shock if they don't, but uh, yeah. and we are going on flimsy enough evidence, but just I like the speed they're moving the ball. I think they're getting back to to uh, much more... They went, they went to possession-based and yeah. and not direct enough, and it's getting that happy medium and you know to give... Like if you have a full forward line like I have, as Brenton says, Costello seems to have moved up on our level. Again, not tested at the big level, so... But you, if you've uh, Conor Callaghan and him, Dean Rock in there, you want to get them the ball as quick as possible. So we have Enda Gormley and Brendan Devaney saying Dublin to win the All-Ireland. Who did you say, Tony? Well, my, my heart says, of course, the Oakleaf County. <laughs> and you know this, we mightn't be far away. But I said at the start of the year, I was asked the same question, and I said, Kerry, so I'm going to stick by it. Mm. Okay, very good. I actually said the team that beats Dublin again. I leave myself open there. I, I, I actually, I'm actually going to go for Kerry as well. Are you kind of what? I said the team that beats Dublin. Or the, and you now think Kerry will beat Dublin? I, I think, I think they will. Uh. Did it just change there on you? I think you did a bit. Did yeah, 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 yeah. I have to hear it back. It's funny. I've had too many beers at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost Some like which, whichever of the two you're talking about, it's hard. You can make a case for them, I suppose. <laughs> Have we any outstanding questions? I think you've just taken the air out of the balloon there by saying, oh, sure, look, Dublin's going to win anyway. What's the point? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing now. Mm. Um, gents, thank you so much for coming. We were here in the dugout bar in Mahara, all with thanks to Guinness 0.0, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol, more social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. We're going to have that draw in just a minute, so if you could all do me a huge favour. Hey. And uh, just stay seated for two seconds after we wrap up. But before that, a uh, round of applause. I think you'll agree they were brilliant all evening. Tony Scullion, Enda Gormley, Brendan Devenny.